Acha kashf. Kashf and ilham. Two words that you will see. Kashf and ilham. Kashf literally means unveiling. It means something that was unseen becomes seen. It doesn't have to be seen visually. It's something that was unknown becomes known. Something that was unknown becomes known. That's kashf. Ilham means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala inspires us with something. Wahi is different. Wahi is revelation. Alright? Revelation ends. Revelation only belongs to the Anbiya and ended with Khatam and Nabi and Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Ilham is given to the awliya. And ilham still continues. Let me give you an example of ilham that all of you know and all of you agree with. And that is called istikhara. When you make istikhara, what are you asking? Look at what the, the du'a is saying. You're asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to inspire your heart. You're asking for an ilham. Istikhara is just part of the decision making process. Whenever a person is confronted with any decision, number one, they must see what are the, what is the hidayah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us hidayah. That's called Quran, Sunnah and Shriya. Are there any teachings in the Hidayah about this decision? Recommending it. Now, so let's take your favorite istikhara. 99.9999% of istikhara in Pakistan happens for marriage. Right? So, usme hidayat hai. First of all, the Prophet said, choose a spouse on the basis of deen. And remember, you will only have barakah and success in your istikhara when you have first followed the hidayat of the deen. So these people running around trying to do istikhar but whether they should marry so and so and say, I'm niyata, samaj niyata, jawab niyata. It's because you didn't first follow the hidayat. You first haven't screened that potential spouse through the teachings of the deen. Uske nir deen hai ne. Aapko kaise istikhara ka jawab aayega apne city bank walo ke saath shadi karna hai ya nahi karna. Nahi aayega aapko jawab. Ya confusing jawab aayega. So first thing in the decision making process is look at the hidayat. Second thing, and that's the first, now the other things are not sequential. Then there are a few secondary things. One of the secondary things is to do mashfara, shura, with experts in that field. Shura with elders, with family members, right? Shura with religious scholars who may be able to see an angle pertaining to the deen, pertaining to the hadayat of the deen that you might not be able to see. You might not be able to see it because you don't have enough ilm of the deen to see all the hadayat of the deen that pertain to this decision. And then, another thing, another secondary thing is istikhara. What is istikhara? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I've looked at this from the, from the talimat of your hidayah. I've done mashra with the experts, with the family elders, with the ulama. And now Allah, I want you, Allah Akbar, I want you to directly inspire my heart. I want you to place in my heart an inclination towards whichever decision is better for my akhirah, my deen, as well as good for me in this world. That's ilham. You're requesting ilham. So how can we at the one hand deny that ilham exists for the awliya and at the same time think we can request it for ourselves? That's all that ilham is. That Allah subhanahu wa inspires a person's heart with something. In the case of istikhara, it means that Allah subhanahu wa inspires a person's heart inclines a person's heart. The real answer for istikhara, by the way, is this inclination. It's not a sign. It's not a dream. It's not a dream. There were certain of the early Muslims 
who receive dreams as a result of their istikhara, but even the sign of a dream is that when you wake up from that dream, your heart is inclined one way or the other as a result of the dream. The real thing is melane kalb, inclination of the heart. And an inclination of the heart that is inexplicable due to any other circumstance. Not that, oh, I overheard my khala telling my mother that she doesn't like the guy, now I'm not inclined, that's the job of my istikhara. Not that I'm driving around and I see Asif fabrics in the chalk and I think, achha, ye tajwaab agya. Iman, Asif, achha, me, shadi karna chahi tha. Right? That's an A. That's coincidence. That's not istikhara, that's coincidence. You're looking for an inexplicable melanikalb. Why? Because what's inexplicable, that's going to be attributed to Allah. An inclination of my heart that is not due to any sabab. Not due to any apparent means. It's an inclination in my heart due to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, just now, ilham and kashf. Kashf, what does kashf mean? So, for example, Shah Waliullah talks about something in his book, Hujatullah al-Balagha. He talks about hakikat al-salah, hakikat al-salam, hakikat al-hajj. What is the reality of salah? What's the reality of hajj? And he feels that these things, he understood them through kashf. Kashf is a way that a person when writing on spiritual matters attributes their understanding of something not to their own erudition but they say that Allah Ta'ala opened my heart for this. Allah Ta'ala made me understand this. There's something the ulama of hadith and fiqh also use. Sometimes Imam Bukhari used to make istikhara about whether to include a hadith in a sahih or not. Just like ijtihad is to sharia, kashf is to tariqa. Just like ijtihad is not an infallible source. It's the how this fallible. And it's what in Arabic we call zanni. It's not kati. Kati means absolute certain truth and knowledge that is binding. Zanni means strongly probable, but not binding necessarily. Not completely binding. So just like ijtihad is to fiqh, kashf is to sawaf, that a wali may get a particular kashf, such as what? Such as a method of zikr, for example. Such as an ayah over which to ponder. Such as an ayah which should be recited frequently. Now that is an absolute delil in the sharia. It's not binding. It's not certain knowledge. That's why I told you the world of zikr remains open even after the kashf of the wali. Because the kashf of the wali cannot specify or particularize the way of doing zikr because Allah Ta'ala has left it open. Allah Ta'ala's leaving it open is kati because Allah left it open in the Qur'an. The wali coming with a specific way of doing zikr based on his kash, that is zanni. But maybe it's still better than our own way of doing zikr. Just like the ijtihad of a mujtahid is not kati, but it's better than my own views on Islamic law. Let us look, now I'm going to read out to you what Sheikh Ahmed Sirhindi rahimullahu ta'ala says about kash. It is commonly agreed, this quote, it is commonly agreed that in determining the ahkam of the sharia, ahkam means the legal rules and prescriptions of the sharia, what counts is the Qur'an, the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, the qiyas of a mujtahid, mujtahid, which means an expert jurist, and the ijma of the ummah. No other principle apart from these four is to be taken into consideration to determine the legality of rules. Ilham, inspiration, does not determine whether something is right or wrong. And the kashf of a Sufi does not establish the degree of a rule, whether it is obligatory or desirable. 
the awliya have to follow, like an ordinary Muslim, the opinions of the mujtahids. Their kashfs and their ilhams do not elevate their status and relieve them from following the judgments of the fuqaha, meaning the jurists. Zunun, al-Bistami, Junaid and Shibli are just like ordinary men, Zayd, Umar, Bakr and Khalid. They have to follow the judgments of the mujtahideen in matters of ijtihad. This is a shaykh of the soul of telling you what he thinks kashf is. So I'll tell you more. Shaykh Ahmed Sir Hindi when writing about what is the whole purpose of the sawaf? Now this is something I had already taught you in some way, but uh, he writes in his Maktubad, volume 1, letter number 266, that the sign of the validity of an experience, so if a person has an experience, the sign of the validity of an experience is number 1, that it agrees with the doctrines of the Sharia. There's nothing in it that's against the Sharia. And two, that in order to have that experience, one does not commit anything which is forbidden by the Sharia. And then he writes that, know that music and dance are but frivolous games. This is also another type of Sufism, which is music and dance, and they try to revive Sufism to make people think that music and dance is okay. But the masters of the Sof themselves are saying that music and dance are but frivolous games. And then he writes, on, uh, to quote, to, quote him to you on Fana and Baka. The object in Fana and Baka, which are the essence of Wilayat, and I've explained that to you, is to acquire Yaqeen and Iman and nothing else. If one understands Fana Fillah or Baka Billah, Fana in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or Baka by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in any other sense, which suggests the fusion of man into Allah, it is a blasphemous distortion of faith. Many things come from the mouth of a Sufi, in the state of intoxication, which it is his duty to overcome, turn to Allah and ask for Allah's forgiveness. Then he writes, the real fana and baka consists in sincerely believing in the tawheed of Allah and honestly living as his servant and abd. Anything over and above it is sheer error and infidelity. Just what the mashayikh of the sorrow for writing. The problem is we don't read them. We don't read them. In my opinion, he writes in volume number 1, letter 272, in my opinion, the vision of Allah, this is difficult for you to understand, the vision of Allah in the mirrors of contingent things, which a group of Sufis consider to be perfection, is nothing except a creation of their own imagination. What they see is not Allah, and what appears is not Allah. These people may be excused, hopefully they will be treated just like an erring jurist, a mistaken mujtahid is, and will be exempted from punishment. Here, so there's a lot of things that he has written. And he has written extensively to clarify the misperceptions and misconceptions that people had about the Sawaf in his time. What should I write about Kash? In this field, the causes for mistake are many, and the possibility of error is great. The occurrence of kashf is as good as its non-occurrence. Here and then he talks about three reasons why people make mistakes in their kashf. It's quite detailed stuff that he has written. Right? So that is really what kashf and ilham is. Right? Kashf and ilham is just something and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions this in the Quran. Ilm al-ladunni that I bestow upon my servants an ilm from my own self. Right? I, Allah ta'ala can inspire our hearts. 
whether it's in istikhara or whether it's in something else. But sometimes the differences in zikr would sometimes be attributed to a difference in gush. And maybe Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala opened up a person's heart to a particular way of doing zikr that was of benefit for the people in their time or was benefit to their students. This is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala responding to the ikhlas and dua of the teacher and students. That the teacher wants to connect people to Allah and disconnect them from love of the world, slavery to their nafs. The student wants to be connected to Allah, to be disconnected from love of the world and the slavery of his nafs. So when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala looks at the ikhlas in both of them, it's quite possible that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala may open up to them the cure for their particular illness. So different mashai came up with doing different methods of zikr. And over time you will hear these famous words again, Qadri, Chishti, Surwardi, Nakshabandi, Shadli, all of these different words. They are just words referring to the prime designer of that particular way of doing nafal ibadat, of doing zikr. And again, that zikr number one cannot have anything in it that's against the sharia. That's another thing about bidat, is that you cannot view it as far as wajib or sunnah. And the sign of that is you cannot reprimand somebody who doesn't do it. That is a sign written in the books of fiqh that somebody has elevated something too high a level in the deen. Ain yula'ima tarikuhu ki aap chhodne wale ko mulamat karte how can you, you cannot do malamat of somebody who's leaving something that's nafil. It's, it's not blameworthy to leave a nafil. It's blameless. So if a person is not doing your particular method of zikr or the zikr of your teacher, that is blameless and you cannot reprimand or look down or anything like that on that person. And if you do, then that zikr, that your view of that zikr has become a bidat. You have too much of an akidat in that zikr if you start looking down on people who don't practice that zikr. Because again, the same thing I keep telling you, that what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has left open, you cannot specify or particularize or prefer for the deen. You can prefer it for yourself, but you can't prefer it for the deen. 